This guy is a great big phony. If a body meets a body coming through the right. Okay. If a body kiss a body need a body cry. Okay, 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 okay. Hey, hey, and welcome to the OK Gatsby, colon, Catcher in the Y. y. Catcher in the Y. I'm Terrence Hartnett. I'm Kevin Lapkovich. So we're on Chapter 7, and we're going to cover Chapter 8 as well. Kevin, how's it going for you reading this book? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm I'm feeling good. I think it's always nice to notice these little things, and we talked about it with the Greek Gatsby that like yeah. kind of put it, like, no one writes a book in a vacuum, and it's kind of fun to see even, like, things that connect outside the text to like obviously what he's because Holden talks about books and reading a lot of this and it's fun to see where I never really fully understood how much uh Salinger is purposely trying to put him in the literary canon. How about the opening line? I mean, like the and all that David Copperfield type crap. It's like it's like he's he's we are in direct um dialogue with the canon yeah, in conflict with the yeah, canon, in but conflict. in celebration of the canon, yeah. too. Yeah. He's uh, trying to establish an alternative canon of, like, hey, I like Ring Lardner. <laughs> I mean, he says he likes his brother DB as a cover that this is, like, but it's like, hey, these are the, the good books, Ring Lardner, Out of Africa, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. No, he uh, he definitely is aware of literature, and it's, and he's attempting to mark his place in it. Yes, Kevin is Kevin is tipping a uh, Huckleberry Finn uh, a comparison that's going to kind of blow your mind, I'll be honest. Yes. It's very, it's very good. Yeah, I've, I mean, I'm loving the. We get Holden, sort of leaving Pensy, uh, sort of starting to grow up. Hero's I, journey. Yeah, just, the, the just first step out of the shire. Leaving home. Yeah, we are. He is leaving home. He didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Uh, because he got in a fight with Stradlatter, as you remember from yes, last week. A very dramatic fight. So the first thing he does when after he fights Stradlatter, Kev, where, where does he go? Opening right chapter to seven. His buddy Ackley. Ackley, Ackley, old pal, his best friend Ackley. I mean, like I think that's a solid theory that Ackley yeah. is just your best friend. His Sorry, best friend. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, bud. He's the one you wanted to talk to when you got beat up. He went. He went straight to Ackley. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of. It's still he treats him so disrespectfully. <laughs> It was a tiny bit of light came through the shower curtains and all from her room, and I could see him lying in bed. I knew damn well he was awake. Ackley, I said. You wake? <laughs> and it's spelled Y-A-W-A-K-E. <laughs> you wake, yeah. So it's like, yeah. Uh, it was pretty dark, and I stepped on somebody's shoe on the floor and damn near fell on my head. Ackley sort of sat up in bed and leaned on his arm, and he said it had a lot of white stuff on his face for his pimples. Still had to be like, look at him, this weird <laughs> He looks sort of spooky in the dark. What the hell are you doing anyway, I said. What do you mean, what the hell I'm doing? I was trying to sleep before you guys started making all that noise. What the hell was the fight about anyway? It doesn't answer. He goes, yep. where's the light? And it's like, what do you want the light for? Right next to your hand. And so he turns and he, go, he turns on the light for no reason, just to show Ackley his face, pretty much. He goes, "Yeah, Jesus, he said. What the hell happened to you? He meant all the blood and all. <laughs> he had, I had a little goddamn tiff with Stradladder. Just a tiff. Just a tiff. Little, little. He knocked me out on the floor. Was worried he cracked my skull. <laughs> He's kneeing on on his your a full the full weight of a human being on your chest is a very scary thing. I don't know. You have brothers, right? So I'm sure yeah. you have. No, of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> How many times I've like, oh, I went too far. I might have really hurt him. And this is, I think this is very, very much. Like, this is very, very yeah. similitudinous. Where it's like you fought. And then afterward, you're ashamed, and you kind of want, he, yeah, you kind of yeah, want to forget about like, it. You at the moment, like you really want to hurt him, yeah. but in the way that you think all brothers are invincible, that like. <laughs> <laughs> and then a second later, you're like, shoot, shoot, shoot! Oh, I'm sorry. No. You, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you all right? So. And this is a little bit more of a stretch, but I see like a Gatsby connection here. He goes, "Listen," I said, "Do you feel like playing a little canasta?" And he, and he was a canasta fiend. You're still bleeding, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you better put something on it. I'll stop. Listen, you want to play a little canasta or don't you? Canasta, do you know what time it is by any chance? So are you thinking of uh, when do you Gatsby go wants to, to go Island? to Coney Island? Oh, my God. Really, he doesn't want to go to Coney Island, Gatsby. He's very upset about something weird that happened, too. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my best friend, my neighbor. Literally, the only reason he talks to him is because they live next to each other. goes... Hey, do you want to do this like dumb thing? You want to go to way Coney too Island late at night? <laughs> yeah, 
It's like, well, this is not about Coney Island. And similarly, Holden, you don't actually want to play Canasta. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he, you only said that to, because you said Ackley is a Canasta fan. Holden yeah. doesn't care about yeah. Canasta. He, he wants checkers. To, <laughs> he wants Ackley. He wants, he likes, he's a checkers guy. He wants Ackley around, clearly. And, uh, he wants he kind of wants Ackley's sympathy, right? I mean, like he I don't know. Yeah, what he, he turns on the light for no reason. He's like, I okay, gotta yeah. talk to my buddy. Like, <laughs> but also he doesn't want to talk. He about wants it. to like show all his blood and then go. Oh, don't talk to me about it though. Yeah, yeah. He he struggles with he wants sympathy and he wants attention, but he doesn't want the way it's delivered. <laughs> How about right here? Right after that, like uh, it's only eleven thirty, and he goes, uh, "What was the fight about anyway? Anyhow, it's a long story. I don't want to bore you, Ackley. I'm thinking of your welfare." <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I don't want to, you know. Yeah, he's so like, he kind of, you know, you ever watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. Like he, he's actually treated like Jerry is, right there. Like, <laughs> like God, Ackley. Jerry. God, shut God, up, Jerry. Ackley, you messed it up again. Shut up, Ackley. Yeah. Uh, and this is where he's like, Hey, is it okay if I sleep in Eli's bed tonight? He won't be back till tomorrow night, will he? I knew damn well he wouldn't. Eli went home damn near every weekend. I don't know when the hell he's coming back. Ackley said. Boy, did that annoy me. What the hell do you mean you don't know when he's coming back? He never comes back till Sunday night, does he? No, but for Christ's sake, I can't just tell somebody they can sleep in his goddamn bed if they want to. That killed me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a prince, Ackley kid. You know that? Yeah, and Ackley's like, I mean, I could see both sides. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I, like if Ackley was being a really good friend, he, he could see that Holden was in was in need. Yes. And he would say, whatever you need, whatever, whatever Look, I can get you, man. Yeah, you're covered in blood. You're clearly very upset yeah. about something. You don't want to sleep, sleep in the same room as Stradlater. Yeah, that's very. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, but also, you are covered in blood and asking to sleep in, in my roommate's bed. <laughs> right, and we have kind of an agreement as roommates where I don't do bad things to his stuff. He doesn't do bad things to my stuff. This would be bad. Yeah, it would be violating that. Yeah. So he doesn't. Oh yeah, he wants to. He wants he to goes, uh, listen. What the hell is what's the fight about? Again, he wants to know. Yeah. I didn't answer him. All I did was I got up and went over and looked out the window. Here it is. I felt so lonesome all of a sudden. I almost wished I was dead. Oof. Which is a beautiful line. Okay, yeah. So let's before we cross over to Huck Finn, I mean like as a Holden moment, this is again the um the subtextual narrative we were talking about last yeah. week. Uh it's like Holden doesn't say I well he does say I was so lonesome, but he doesn't say like thinking about fighting Stradlatter made me feel alone because nobody was you know on my side. Yeah, yeah. and he's, and also probably like not feeling comfortable enough with his best friend Ackley right. to say what was wrong. He can't express himself. He can't yeah. express like yeah. Ackley went on a date with a girl I used to really love. Stradlatter. Stradlatter on a date. I was I'm worried that he pulled a fast one on her or took advantage or even that they she just genuinely likes Stradlatter. Right. Because I don't want. Her, because that ruins her for me, and that's sexy. That ruins her for me if she had a good time with Stradlin. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a he. All of a sudden, it's all of a sudden. Not like he yep. <laughs> just got in a huge fight with his one friend, went over to his other friend, and could not find it in him to be vulnerable to to this friend. I think he literally doesn't know what he's feeling. He literally yeah. doesn't understand. That's what this. That's what like that's what this growing up thing is. Like he's being very adolescent right now. So. I felt so lonesome. All of a sudden, I almost wished I was dead. So all of a sudden, he feels lonesome. All of a sudden. Yeah, out of nowhere. Out of no nowhere, reason, he feels so stuff. lonesome. Yeah. Not that it's been building for an hour now. Yes, but that's that's a very poignant line. I underlined it anyway. But then you, Kev, tell us. Yes, that is a very close quote to a line from Huckleberry Finn. Again, while we're talking about position and holding in the position of, of in literary canon. Yeah, uh, where Huckleberry Finn says in chapter one, "I felt so lonesome, I most wished I was dead." Yeah, I haven't read, <laughs> I haven't read Huckleberry Finn, but I think it's it's very it's, these books occupy very similar space of where they weren't written. Yep, it's an outsider, Huck in the case of Huck Finn, a hillbilly, that yep. a hillbilly poor kid who has no parents. Yeah, he has a dad, but he decides he's going to leave his dad, mm-hmm. and the same way Holden decides he's going to leave his school. And then Huck Finn goes down the river. Uh, he he wants to leave his home because uh, society and the rules cannot protect him from his abusive father. And the same way that like the prep school's rules can't protect Holden from... I mean, all of society's rules can protect Holden from grief, couldn't protect him from hypocrisy, stuff like that. And then Huck Finn goes down the Mississippi, going to these different towns, and they're essentially a series of sketches about different parts of Southern and Midwestern society uh-huh. and being hypocritical. There's mm-hmm. like a lynch mob, and there's a whole thing about how that's stupid. And there's uh, 
there's this thing where like a bunch of women are trying to get married. It's like a whole. But they, basically, this what this book is. He's Salinger saying this is Huck Finn, but instead yeah. of the Mississippi, he's going down certain trains and and cabs in Manhattan to find different places in Manhattan to see upper crust Manhattan society exposed as just as stupid as 1870s uh, Huck Finn society where judges and racial hypocrisy were everywhere. So yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to be tracking this this Huck Finn connection because it's it's it's. Yep. clear it's like it's both obvious. first person stories yeah. both they they're the they are children very honest yeah precocious honest children, thoughtful precocious children. children and they're growing up it's a it's a, it's yes. a coming of age story building's romance they've hit a wall yeah where huck literally was like i can't be abused by my father anymore and holden's like i can't live in this society anymore yeah you can't deny the connection between this and Huck Finn. Um, so I felt so lonesome. I almost wished I was dead. So then Ackley is curious about the fight again. Yeah. And I, he said something. Ackley is so curious about everything. True. Uh, that's what Holden's big problem with them is that he doesn't let Holden be vulnerable and keep his secrets and not <laughs> talk about anything. <laughs> but I think probably that's why he's attracted to him is that he's going to be poking at him. So eventually he'll have to talk about it. Just, yeah. just shut him, shut him up. Uh, what the hell was the fight about? Anyhow, Ackley said for about the fiftieth time, he certainly was a bore about that. <laughs> bore about there was a huge fight. <laughs> yeah, he's, next door. He's being so boring. Yeah, uh, Holden's just blind to this the reality. And then Holden again is like about you. I said about me for Christ's sake. Yeah, I was defending your goddamn honor. Stradletter <laughs> said you have a lousy personality. I couldn't let him get away with that stuff. That got him excited. He did. No kidding. He did. Right. <laughs> so it's like you're a good friend of mine. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I was fighting for your honor. And then he goes, I told him I was only kidding, and then I went over and lay down on Eli's bed. Boy, did I feel rotten. I felt so damn lonesome. Oof. This room stinks. I I could smell your socks from way over here. Don't you ever send them to the laundry? If you don't like it, you know what you could do, Ackley said. What a witty guy. He makes a good point. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, don't insult my room while you're lying down in it. Covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. How about turning off the goddamn light? Ooh. Is there another light situation where... Oh, oh yeah, uh, Stradlitter was in his light. Uh, this might be a stretch, but uh, you know, light is mentioned again. That's yeah, something. Light plays a part. If I was writing a term paper, I could do a paragraph on that. Probably, on <laughs> I could light. probably fill. Every time light is mentioned, yeah. Yeah, I didn't turn it off right away though. He always loves to play it slow. That's his big move. Yeah, he's like I'm gonna do what you tell me, but I'm gonna do it so slowly that you hate it. He's <laughs> a stinker. I just keep lying there on Eli's bed, thinking about Jane and all. And here is where it is. This is why he's so lonesome. It just drove me stark staring mad when I thought about her and Stradlatter parked somewhere in that fat ass dead pinky's car. He's so vulgar and he's so like <laughs> angry all the time. It is very funny. But also not honest. So like, he's not saying like he's he'll sell so, like give him the time. He yeah. won't say like the F word. Yeah, every time I thought about it I felt like jumping out the window. The thing is you didn't know Stradlatter. I knew him. Most guys at Pensy just talked about having sexual intercourse with the with girls all the time. Like Ackley, like for, Ackley instance. for instance. He still throws it a little bar. <laughs> <laughs> this is like months after this incident, and he doesn't have to insult Ackley. Right. And, but he's like, you know, Ackley. <laughs> <laughs> he's a liar, too. But old Stradladder really did it. I was personally acquainted with at least two girls he gave the time to. That's the truth. That's the truth. One, is it the truth? Just because, like, one, he never yep. tells the truth. And two, like... Guys, the, especially these high school guys, are liars about this issue. Yep. But there's something very strange. Like I was personally acquainted. Like, like oh, I knew them, and we knew this happened, kind of thing. Yeah. Personally acquainted, I know him yeah. for sure. His attitude about sex is, and it, this is always hard to tell, what's of the time and what's oh true, and what is uh, <laughs> the author purposely like this is flawed or what's the author like this is normal and yeah. i am of this time right uh we'll try to figure we can, if we can parse that out but yeah. also there is some like blatant sex talk once we get to new york we'll see some stuff later we'll be tracking we'll be tracking sex for sure yeah definitely important um tell me the story of your fascinating life actually kid I he's said. like yeah he's desperate for talking about anything he yeah. does, like this he goes into this guy he hates he's like please start talking about anything except for the fight but also i kind of think i don't know i kind of think it's the thing where uh you have a bad day and you come home and you go Whew, 
how was your day, man? Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah. And then you're waiting for the someone to go, well, how was your day? And you tell go, me wow. Tell life, kid. <laughs> yeah. Tell me your whole Yeah, he wants to be listened to, so he's trying to listen to Probably wants to talk bit. about his brother a little bit. He yeah, probably. just had a big night. Probably always does. Yeah. How about turning off the goddamn light? I got to get up for mass in the morning. There's the light again. Yeah. Okay. I got up and turned it off if it made him happy. Then I laid down in Eli's bed again. What are you going to do, sleep in Eli's bed? <laughs> he said he was the perfect host, boy. Boy, I love the boy. I may, I may not. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. Only I'd hate like hell if Eli came in all of a sudden and found some guy. Relax. I'm not going to sleep here. I want to abuse your goddamn hospitality. God. So, like, he, he's being rude. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Ackley's not being great, but it's like, come on, man. Yeah. You have given him none of the tools to handle this situation effectively. <laughs> and then a couple minutes later, he's, he falls asleep. Ackley's asleep, snoring like mad. And he's just trying not to think about old Jane and Stradladder and that goddamn Banky's car. So here it is. It's like it's like if you were curious as to why he's upset, here it is one more time. Here's the the uh, the subterranean narrative. Was it again? Uh, subtextual. subtextual narrative. Yes. The subtextual narrative is once again uh, pointed out here. It's an easy jumping off point that we're seeing one thing, and he's saying he's thinking about this, but he doesn't really know why. And this is a girl he hasn't talked to in two years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the trouble was, I knew that guy's shred letters technique. This okay, the technique. <laughs> this is uh, yes, shred letters uh, technique. I think this might be um uh a bit of the time, but maybe we can give Salinger some credit for that he's saying this is bad. He's saying that this is uh this sort of this expression of the adolescent sexuality is uh a bit uh not okay. Yeah. Immoral, yeah, thank you. Yeah. It to be fair, it's also coming from a place of jealousy <laughs> from Holden. Yeah, uh, but I don't think Holden seems like he wants to do this thing. I think yeah. Holden is worried that this thing happened to Jane. Yes. I uh, that's how let's, let's let's read it. Let's see. Yeah. The trouble was I knew that guy's Stradladder's technique. That made it even worse. We once double deaded in Ed Banky's car. He's always in Ed Banky's car. Ed Banky, that, that's man. That's where all the hanky panky happens. <laughs> Ed hanky, maybe that, maybe that's a joke. Hanky panky and Ed Banky. <laughs> and Stradladder was in the back with his date, and I was in the front with mine. What a thing that, what a technique that guy had. What he'd do was he'd start snowing his date in this very quiet, sincere voice, like as if he wasn't only a very handsome guy, but a nice, sincere guy too damn near puked listening to him his date kept saying no please please don't please okay woof. woof we are woof uh yeah um so yeah i mean i think i think uh that's crazy that you just mentioned it's at the time or is it or is it you know holden or is it like you know mm-hmm. is holden acting yeah so this is that is, is this is this is this what Holden would see as normal sexuality in this time period? What Salinger is describing as normal sexuality, or is Salinger uh, pointing out satirically that yeah. it, this is not a good way to behave? Yes, what and it's hard to tell because I mean, okay, I, I'd like I to mean, keep track on. of it, but there's so many layers going on here. It's, yeah, it's Holden's view of this. Uh, situation, yeah, which seems to be annoyed at it, maybe not for the hundred percent right reasons. Yeah, he's definitely sexually jealous, which is part of it. But I think also he he Hates knows it. Jane. He, he sees it as insincere. Uh, yeah, because c- any sort of it's a false sincerity of yeah. like, hey, I mean, I don't want to be. It's it's about hey, baby, give me your I, voice. I yeah. love you so much, baby. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, I'm baby. a sincere oh, guy. <laughs> I'm such not a nice guy. Not only am I handsome, but I am also very sincere. Yeah. Um, but there's layers to that. So it's Holden's opinion of this, but we have to get essentially st- parse out Salinger's opinion of Holden's opinion of this, because they're they're not the same person, Holden and Salinger. They they may be very close, and and sometimes at times, do but poli- also sometimes Salinger is going, "I'm not Holden. Look at what I'm making Holden do. It's pretty yes. funny, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean. There's a there's a there's some problematic stuff in this book and it's it's these are questions that we do have to answer about. I think that but I I mean I think that we can give Salinger some pretty good. Ask, yeah, I don't I don't think Sa- I think Salinger is um, at least portraying this negatively. I think we can. Yes, I mean like I don't sure. think it's like it was it so is, fun. Yeah, it was negative. I think Strat like, I wish the, I could do this technique. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, I think Strat is the bad guy. I mean like especially like. Uh, and then there'd be this, uh, but yeah, but old Stradler kept snowing her in yeah. this Abraham Lincoln sincere <laughs> voice, which is a funny line. That's funny, yeah. And finally, there'd be this terrific silence in the back of the car. 
It was really embarrassing. I don't think he gave the girl the time that night, but damn near. Damn near. Damn near. So, like, yeah, Holden is, like, sort of, what's the tone here? You think it's, like, it's like he's awestruck or he's, uh. It's, like, how, like. He's galled. Kind of, like, how guys saw, like, those, like, pickup artists in 2005 where it's, like, this is gross and stupid, but, like. <laughs> It's not. It was never. It was an outright moral condemnation. It was just like this feels weird. <laughs> yeah. Did the, yeah. We're at least there. I think that like I think Holden's mad. I don't know. I think I mean like Holden knows Jane Gallagher as a person. Yes. He That's doesn't the, want this happening to Jane. He's picturing Jane as this girl. I mean, who's clearly clearly seems like you know someone who's not in not feeling good about what's happening. Yes. Right. This woman that stride letters with in the back of uh Banky's car. He describes <laughs> it as embarrassing. He doesn't so yeah, he's in the front seat and it's like I hate hearing this. This is yeah. sick. This is bad. And the rest and, and any deeper I think would be a great place for a women's studies uh yes. class to do. It maybe not us. Yes. Uh well I was laying there trying not to think. I heard stro- stro- old stride letter come back from the can and go in a room computer here and putting away his crummy toilet articles and all and opening the window. He was a fresh air fiend. Everyone's <laughs> a fiend. <laughs> Ch- canasta, fresh air. Then a little while later, he turned off the light. He didn't even look around to see where I was at. It was even depressing out in the street. So he's having just a tough day. <laughs> yeah, he's depressed. You couldn't even hear any cars anymore. I got f- feeling so lonesome and rotten. I even felt like waking Ackley up. So he had his... Bad interaction with Ackley, and he's like, let's do it again. And he does. He goes, this is kind of funny, because this is insanely Because this is a crazy child at this yeah, point. Yeah, of course. Hey, Ackley, I said in sort of a whisper so Stradladder couldn't hear me through the shower curtain. Ackley didn't hear me, though. Hey, Ackley. He still didn't hear me. He slept like a rock. Hey, Ackley. He heard that all right. What the hell's the matter with you? I was asleep, for Christ's sake. And this is what he wakes up his friend for. Listen. What's the routine on joining a monastery? I asked him. I was sort of toying with the idea of joining one. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the here's, I mean, like, Holden is telling us, like, no, I was actually kind of thinking about it right then. Like, not yeah. like, he, he didn't say for the hell of it. He didn't say, I just felt like asking him this. Do you have to be a Catholic at all? That's how he finishes. <laughs> Do you have to be a Catholic at all? And Ackley goes, certainly you have to be a Catholic. You bastard. Did you wake me up just to ask me a dumb question? He goes, ah, go back to sleep. I'm not going to join one anyway. The kind of luck I have, I'd probably join one with all the wrong kind of monks in it. All stupid bastards are just bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so this is hilarious, but also it's like, yeah, he's very upset. Otherwise, he wouldn't be, like, reaching out to this friend for no reason. Like Just any conversation. Just don't want to be alone. So like, yeah. I don't want to think about Jane and Stradladder. Talk to me about mon- and he's like, look, maybe ask, maybe monasteries are a good idea just to get away from it all. Yeah, it's like, ah, uh, damn, never but mind. <laughs> whatever emotions are happening, that's when we get into the subtextual narrative where it's like, even Holden's telling you he all of a sudden became curious about monasteries. He did yeah. not actually become curious about monasteries. What's really happening is he can't deal with this emotion of Stradletter being in the next room. So much so that he's considering dropping out of contemporary life. And he has to just, you know, he wants Ackley to be awake so he can talk to him about it. I mean, like, yeah, he he has this sudden urge. Yeah, this boyish, like, out of nowhere urge to join a monastery. Yeah. Um, which is which is representation representative of what it's religion, it's community. Yeah, it's, it's community, it's religion, it's spiritual, but it's also away from sexuality. It's away yes. from the responsibilities of society. Uh, but then when I said that, old Ackley said, "Way the hell up in the bed." Listen, he said, "I don't care what you say about me or anything, but if you start making cracks about my goddamn religion, for Christ's sake, <laughs> relax." I said, "Nobody's making any cracks about your goddamn religion." <laughs> I got up off Eli's bed and started towards the door. I didn't want to hang around in that stupid atmosphere anymore. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> He's like, nope, stupid now. Dumb, I hate it. I stopped on the way, on. though, and picked up Ackley's hand and gave him a big, phony handshake. He pulled it away from me. What the he- What's the idea, he said. <laughs> no idea. I just want to thank you for being such a goddamn prince, that's all. Yeah. I said, and I said it in this very sincere voice, you're racist, Ackley, kid. I said, you know that? <laughs> <laughs> what? So yeah. he's been thinking about Stradletter's uh, sincere voice and hating it, and then he drops one on Ackley right yeah, away. Racist. Oh, yeah. And he goes, wise guy, someday somebody's going to bash your... I didn't even bother to listen to him. I shut the damn door and went out the courtyard. But literally, he was just bashed in <laughs> for being himself. He got bashed in already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just lonely. It's just so lonely. It's all alone. And this is a, a, a important moment. What I thought I'd do, I thought I might go down and see what old Mile Brosser was doing. 
But all of a sudden, I changed my mind. All of a sudden, I decided what I'd really do, I'd get the hell out of Pensy. Right that same night and all. So right before he decides to leave, he decides, maybe I'll see Mel Brossard. His buddy went to movie, the movies with Yes. Yeah. And the guy who says he's a friend doesn't say a bad thing about him. Never. Never. He's a wrestler. <laughs> he's a wrestler. And he goes, oh, maybe I'll see Mel Brossard. And then he decides, Mal is not enough. I'm done. Yes. So we now can see the fight with Stradladder as being a really, like, an inciting event. Yes. Right? Like, um, as being the last thing that Holden does before he, like, gets into this uh, New York phase that we're going to be into for a little while now. Yeah. I mean, even before the, the fight, just the mention of the date. Borrowing the jacket and the date was the big. Yep. It's like, I have to be complicit in all this nonsense. Yep. I don't have the courage not to be complicit in all this. Yeah, but then once they physically fight, then he can't He's even. Like, he can't go back there. He yeah. cannot go back. It's that's the, the last no burn, return. burn bridge. Yeah, so he decides to go to New York. Yeah, go back home to his parents' place. Um, let's see. I decided I'd take a room in a hotel in New York, some very inexpensive hotel and all, and just take it easy till Wednesday. That is. <laughs> that dates this book very much too. <laughs> An inexpensive hotel in New York for a few days. Yeah. Like, no. That and is also, like, my parents won't know where where I am for a few days, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Like they they like like no one can telephone fast enough to let them know that I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, maybe they could, but it seems like an actual like a plan that could actually happen, whereas today it would not happen at all. Yeah. And here's he, he describes his parents. I figured my parents probably wouldn't get old Thurmer's letter saying I'd been given the axe till maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. I didn't want to go home or anything till they got it and thoroughly digested it and all. I didn't want to be around when they first got it. My mother gets very hysterical. She's not too bad after she gets something thoroughly digested, though. Besides, I sort of needed a little vacation. Yeah. <laughs> my nerves were shot. They yeah. really were. That's such an old man thought of, like, uh, I need a vacation. <laughs> I know. I need a vacation. But, like, he's like, he's like, let. This is relationship with the parents. He can't be around them when they're experiencing genuine emotions. Yeah. The, everyone is like, let's all process our emotions separate, and then we'll come back together when that's all done. Yep, digest. That's probably happened when the brother died. They said everyone processed it separately. And he, Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, this is probably what his, his emotional information about his mom is based on, is the, the digesting thing from yeah. his brother, Ellie, yeah. Okay, and then he packs up really quick. And then here's a class thing of... Of Holden just being just a rich kid. Uh, I pack these two Gladstones I have. He mentions what brand of suitcase he has. And it's a luxury brand of suitcase. He doesn't say, I pack my suitcase. He goes, I pack my two Gladstones. And then this thing, too. This is, like, both very sad and very rich kid. It's one thing about packing depressed me a little. I had to pack these brand new ice skates my mother had practically just sent me a couple of days before. That depressed me. I could see my mother going in Spalding's and asking the salesman a million dopey questions. Here I was getting the axe again. It made me feel pretty sad. She bought me the wrong kind of skates. I wanted racing skates and she bought hockey. But it made me sad anyway. Almost every time somebody gives me a present, it ends up making me sad. <laughs> what is that? I love that line, but it's like it just sounds like uh it sounds it sounds like he's so much sadder than he even is. Every time someone gives me a present, it ends up making me sad. Yeah, because he thinks about them buying it. He thinks about anyone doing anything for him, and it like breaks his heart. Uh, I mean, and he, but he still has time to complain. It's like she, it was the wrong skates. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's it's the the it was the sacrifice of a mother for an unworthy son. That makes you yeah like yeah he doesn't feel worthy of her gift yeah yeah because she did have to go to the store, she did have to ask all these questions and after all that she didn't get the thing that he actually wanted yes she doesn't know him well enough to do that yeah you know? she didn't know what he yeah that's a good point too there isn't enough communication there for the, the for the right skates yeah but it, Holden has enough empathy to say like I can imagine my mother going through with asking this him a million questions yeah. for a son who's wholly unworthy. In his mind, of yeah. any sort of gift, yeah. I keep getting kicked out of schools, and I, yeah, it's he doesn't feel like he deserves anything anymore. He's he's messed up too many times, and then he has a ton of money. Uh, <laughs> talks about a grandma just that gives out money all the time because she doesn't have her all her marbles anymore, as he puts it. She's old as hell. She's old as hell. <laughs> Anyway, even though it's pretty loaded, if we could always use a few extra bucks, you never know. So what I did was I went down the hall and woke up Frederick Woodruff. This guy I lent my typewriter to. 
and asked him how much he'd give me for it. He was a pretty wealthy guy. Said he didn't know, didn't want to buy it. So he, he just sells his um, typewriter for 20 bucks. And this is funny. When I was all set to go, when I had my bags and all, I stood for a while next to the stairs and took a last, a last look down the goddamn corridor. I was sort of crying. I don't know why. We know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why that me leaving my school early in the middle of the night, having got just got into a fight with yeah. a roommate after he went on a date with this woman I love, and I packed my mother's skates that I know she, I, she bought with love in her heart, and I've let her down again. And I'm just kind of crying for some reason. But I don't know what it is. Yeah, what, what is it? Also, I'm reminded of uh, when he, he, he's on he, the first chapter. He's looking down at the football game, and he knows he has to leave Pensy, and he wants what? A proper goodbye, A right? goodbye, even if it's a bad goodbye. Yeah. If you, I only feel worse. And I'd like, like to point out that the following is Holden Caulfield's <laughs> appropriate goodbye to yeah. Pensy. Yeah. <laughs> He put my red hand to, uh, put my red hunting hat on and turned the peak around to the back the way I liked it, and then I yelled at the top of my goddamn voice. Sleep tight, you morons. And then this is out of a comedy movie. I'll bet I woke up every bastard on the whole floor. Then I got the hell out. Some stupid guy had thrown peanut <laughs> shells all over the stairs, and I damn near broke my crazy neck. I didn't picture it. I didn't think about him falling, really. Yeah, think of, he yells out to this, everyone's asleep, and he goes, sleep tight, you goddamn morons, and then immediately almost falls and then down he the stairs. Huge prep fall down the stairs. Picture it in your head. It's good. All right. Now and that's going to chapter, chapter seven, and now... He is going to the train station. It was too late to call for a cab or anything, so I walked the whole way to the station. He's walking in the cold again. He's physically he's cold again. It's always interesting when he's cold, because he was cold in the first chapter too. Yeah, he didn't have a good enough jacket. Yeah, he's trying to get in the house. And the snow made it hard for walking, and my Gladstone started as again. He doesn't say suitcase. We get it. Kept banging hell out of my legs. I sort of enjoyed the air in hall. The only trouble was the cold made my nose hurt. And right under my upper lip, where old Stradlater laid one on me. <laughs> he smacked my lip right up on my teeth, and it was Oof. pretty sore. This is interesting, though. My ears were nice and warm, though. That hat I bought had earlaps in it, and I put them on. I didn't give a damn how he looked. Nobody was around anyway. Everybody was in the sack. So the one, his one gesture towards a decision that's weird but for him is helping him. Yes. He's like, hey, I saw this hat, and I love this hat, and it's helping me in the cold right now. Okay, right. So is the hat individuality? At maybe just as simple as an act of self-love is like. Ooh, the hat is self-love. I can't handle how mushy that is. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, hey, I mean, my ears are warm. Everything oof. about me is cold. But this little thing, oof. this one dollar hat I got in New York that I like to wear backwards because it's just for me. Yeah. It's keeping me warm. It's just for me. We, I mean, like it would be crazy to not track the hat. The hat seems very important. Yeah. Um. So it's up to you to figure out what the hat symbolizes. You could probably write a ten-page paper on it. I dare you to do that. Yeah. If you guys want to send us your papers, we uh, will not read them. Not I read can them, barely write them, and I got yeah. I used to get paid to read them, and I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, Boring. I'm not, I'm not a uh, and then here's a, a little cute little metaphor. While I waited, I got some snow in my hand and washed my face with it. I still had quite a bit of blood on. So he's literally taking white, pure, innocent snow and using it to wipe off the blood yep. from pensing. Yep, and the snowball, the snow, uh, a sto- snowball, a sort of winter baptism, a cleansing away of the Ooh. original sins of pensing. Ooh, baby! Uh, snowball two, the snowball fight, snowball, snowball on the fight, bus, snowball on the bus. He plays the snow in the windowsill at one point in his yeah. room. Yeah. yeah. Snow is big. Keep track of Didn't snow. Didn't want to throw it at a snowball at the white car, too clean and white. Bus and driver goes, you can't have a snowball in here. You just can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm a bus driver. I'm a bus driver. <laughs> I drive a bus. Uh, and this is actually kind of pretty, and then it's also kind of funny how he's making fun of books again. So usually I like riding on trains, especially at night, with the lights on and the w- windows so black, and one of those guys coming up the aisle selling coffee and sandwiches and magazines. I usually buy a ham sandwich and about four magazines. If I'm on the train at night, I can usually even read one of those dumb stories in a magazine without puking. <laughs> you know, one of those stories with a lot of phony lean-jawed guys named David in it and a lot of phony girls named Linda or Marsha that are always lighting all the goddamn David's pipes for them. I could even read one of those lousy stories on a train at night, usually. But this time it was different. I just didn't feel like it. I just sort of sat and did not any and sat and not did anything. All I did was take off my hunting hat and put it in my pocket. Okay. Again, the hat. The hat? Hat's off his head now. Yeah. 
Okay, because he took the hat off, but he didn't do anything with the magazines, which are all phony, and they're about yeah. David and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? But it's also like Salinger take a shot at, like, hey, the stories yeah. you guys publish in magazines are terrible. I'm True. the only good short story writer. Actually, or, or right. my brother DB is, I mean. <laughs> yeah, brother DB. Yeah, so right. He need yeah, Salinger is like, I mean, like, yeah, you can make a living, uh, you know, publishing stories. At this point, writing magazines for all these, yeah. it's called, like, Pulp Fiction, stuff like yeah. that, like, yeah, I mean, he was struggling to make a living because he was writing stories about guys going to find banana fishes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, so weird. Before this book, um, but yeah. But so he, he this is weird. Hat, he yeah. he's so he's sitting alone on the train. He took his hat off, uh, and then this woman enters. Uh, the lady got on a sh- on a train and sat down next to me. Practically, the whole car was empty because it was pretty late and all. But she sat down next to me instead of an empty seat. But she had this big bag with her, and I was sitting in the front seat. She stuck the bag right out in the middle of the aisle where the conductor and everybody could trip over it. She had these orchids on like she'd just been on to a big party or something. She was around 40 or 45, I guess, but she was very good looking. Women kill me. They really do. I don't mean I'm oversexed or anything like that, although I am quite sexy. (laughs) I just like them. I mean, they're always leaving their goddamn bags out in the middle of the aisle. Okay, so a lot of things happening right here. I mean, like a hot older lady, but um, I love the general in the specific and the general. They're always leaving their goddamn bags in the middle of the aisle. Yeah, he takes his his universal observations about one character that walks in and does something. But it's also weird where it is an empty train, and this woman comes over and sits next to this guy. That's something for sure. Um, he, I am quite sexy. We we established already that sexy means like sexual, horny. horny. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's not. Uh. But it's every time I read it as if he's calling himself sexy, yeah. which is also very funny. Yeah. So enjoy it at whatever level you'd like to. Yeah, and they're just sitting there quietly. It's on a train in the middle of the night. And she goes, excuse me, but isn't that a Pensy Prep sticker? She was looking at my suitcases up on the rack. Yes, it is, I said. She was right. I did have a goddamn Pensy sticker on one of my Gladstones. <laughs> very corny, I'll admit. I love that. That he has it. He put it on there, and he yeah. still doesn't feel cool about it. He's like, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not, it's not yeah, that very this cool. Yeah, is, this, this is so corny. I love it. Oh, do you go to Pensy, she said. She had a nice voice, a nice telephone voice mostly. She could have. She should have carried a goddamn telephone around with her. <laughs> yes, I do, I said. Oh, how lovely. Perhaps you know my son then, Ernest Morrow. He goes to Pensy. Yes, I do. He's in my class. And this is a great paragraph. Her son was doubtless the biggest bastard that ever went to Pensy in the whole crummy history of the school. <laughs> he was always going down the corridor after he had a shower, snapping his soggy old wet towel at people's asses. That's exactly the kind of guy he was. Okay, so right. So Holden gives us uh, this true thing about her son, Ernest. Ernest. Yeah. So, and then what hap- what follows is he just starts totally lying about, about Ernest. But it's also interesting is that... He just escaped from Pensy, and then here it is. Again, Pensy's right in his face. Like, his past is not letting him go easy. He got on a train to get away, yep. and then literally the coincidence of a mother of a child he goes to school with being like, oh, let's talk about Pensy some more. And he's like, man, I just got kicked Can't out of there. <laughs> I can't want to talk about this, but you're you're pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. And then hot. he just starts lying to this woman. The importance of being earnest. Oh. Oh. Look at that. Look at that. So that's a movie about li- it's a play about lying which was published before this book, right? So yes. this could be something. Okay, anyway. Um that's kind of funny cuz the whole this whole thing is a lie. May yeah. I ask your name, dear? Rudolf Schmidt, I told her. I didn't feel like giving her my whole life's history. Rudolf Schmidt was the name of the janitor at our dorm. <laughs> Do you like Pensy? She asked me. Pensy? It's not too bad. It's not paradise or anything, but as good as most schools. Some of the faculty are pretty conscientious. Ernest just adores it. I know he does, I said. Then this is important. Then I started shooting the old crap around a little bit. He adapts himself very well to things. He really does. I mean, he really knows how to adapt himself. Pretty vague compliment. Yeah. <laughs> He's dipping his toe in. Do you Deep think so, she asked me? She sounded interested as hell. So now it's just a game of Holden is playing off of what he's discovered is that if he talks about Ernest, he can he can talk and she will listen. And he yeah. likes that. Yes, he does want to talk to someone about... I mean, he was trying to talk to Ackley about Canasta, so he's like, right. look, I right. don't actually want to talk about Ernest, but if I just... I can have fun lying, and I won't be alone. He wants I'm to be recognized. If you ever, if you, if you're a parent of a teenager, just recognize them and look at them and give them a little of attention. That's what they need. They need a little bit of attention. So just listen to Holden. Look at this. Listen to their mixtapes. They've been putting listen on. Listen to their mixtapes for God's sakes. Yes, uh, Ernest. Sure, I said. Then I watched her take off her gloves. Boy, she was she lousy with rocks. 
I don't know what that means. She has lots of uh, jewels on her hand. Oh, okay. Took off her gloves. Boy, was she lousy with rocks. I just broke a nail getting out of a cab, she said. She looked up at me and sort of smiled. She had a terrifically nice smile. She really did. Most people have hardly any smile at all or a lousy one. Ernest's father and I sometimes worry about him. She said, we sometimes feel he's not a terribly good mixer. How do you mean? Well, he's Holden says, <laughs> and Holden knows how bad of a mixer he is. Yes. Holden describes him snapping towels at people's asses and goes, that's exactly the kind of guy he is. Yes. That's very in character of Ernest to do those things. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's a very sensitive boy. He's really never been a terribly good mixer with other boys. Perhaps he takes things a little bit more seriously than he should at this age. Sensitive. That killed me. The guy Merle was about as sensitive as a goddamn toilet seat. <laughs> as a goddamn toilet seat. Whenever Colden says that killed me, I am also laughing. Yes. I think it's like he's all, is it's very funny. That killed me. That killed me. <laughs> I gave her a good look. She didn't look like any dope to me. She looked like she might have a pretty damn good idea what a bastard she was a mother of. <laughs> <laughs> you can't always tell with someone's mother. I think I mean mothers are all slightly slightly insane. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, he makes these like huge generalizations, but even when they're wrong, they're kind of fun. And right. he, I mean, it's and always generalizations like a good percentage of like, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, though, I liked old Morrow's mother. She was all right. Would you care for a cigarette? I asked her. She looked all around. I don't believe this is smoker Rudolph. She said Rudolph. That killed me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe this is smoker Rudolph. Right. So she's just eating his lies. Yeah. Uh, whole. Right. I mean, she has no reason not to. Yeah. That's all right. We can smoke till they start screaming at us, I said. She took a cigarette off me, and I gave her a light. Kind of a, a smooth thing to say. Oh, yeah. No, he's being pretty suave. She looked nice smoking. She inhaled and all, but she didn't wolf the smoke down the way most women around her age do. She had a lot of charm. She had a quite a lot of sex appeal, too, if you really want to know. So funny how into her he yeah, is. Yeah, he's, like, so ridiculously into her. She was looking at me sort of funny. I may be wrong, but I believe your nose is bleeding to your... She said all of a sudden. So, you know what's interesting is she does have sort of, she's, she's pretty classy. She's polite. Yes. I mean, like, I think Holden is accurate in how, how he estimates that she is classy. So, there's one thing that's like the subtextual narrative and the narrative are kind of dead on. I'm pretty sure he's, yeah. he's, he's got to. He's interpreting her right her. as someone worth talking to. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're, I believe your note is, is bleeding, dear. I got hit with a snowball, I said. One of those very icy ones. Okay, it's a natural lie to do, of course, but also yeah. it brings back snow. It brings back the snowball fight. From I, yeah, and but then he says, I probably would have told her what really happened, but it would have taken too long. So he's like, oh, I wanted to tell. I Like, he wants to talk he about it. He really does want to be, if he wants to express himself. I, I liked, liked her, it, though. though. Yeah, I was beginning to feel sort of sorry. I told her my name was Rudolph Schmidt. Old Ernie, I said. <laughs> he's one of the most popular boys at Pensy. Did you know that? So he lo- really likes his mom, and he's like, you know what, let me... Tell a lie that'll make her feel good. Right, but it, yeah, okay, but also while he's telling that lie, he comments, "I wish I had told her my real name." Yeah, he wishes he wishes he could be more honest with her, but he, you know, that that ship has sailed. Yeah, um, his so, defense mechanism went up. Yeah, and then he couldn't bring it down, even I'm though reminded, he realized that he wanted to be vulnerable with his woman. He wanted to tell her. About too bad. It. Yeah, too bad. But yeah, he didn't because he yeah he he went, already went into lying mode. I'm reminded of uh, he's like turning on the phoniness. He's lying. He's like uh, recreationally lying. Yeah, like he did with the professor. Yeah. Um. So we're seeing that again. He's he's phoning. That. He's using the phoniness for himself. Yeah. When I first met him, I thought he was kind of a snobbish person. That's what I thought. But he isn't. He's just got this very original personality that takes you a little while to get to know him. Old Mrs. Merle didn't say anything, but boy, you should have seen her. I had her glued <laughs> to her seat. You take somebody's mother, all they want to hear about is what a hot shot their son is. That's true. Then I really started chucking the old crap around. Did he tell you about the elections? I asked her. The class elections. This is the best. She I had her in a trance. <laughs> like she shook really her head. I had her in a trance like I really did. Well, a bunch of us wanted old Ernie to be president of the class. I mean, he was the unanimous choice. I mean, he was the only boy that could really handle the job. I said, boy, was I chucking it. <laughs> <laughs> but this other boy, Harry Fencer, was elected. And the reason he was elected, simple and obvious reason, was because Ernie wouldn't let us nominate him. Because he's so darn shy and modest and all. He refused. Boy, he's really shy. So, refuse, yeah, fused is emphasized. He refused. Boy, he's really shy. You want to make him try to get over that. I looked at her. Didn't he tell you about it? No, he didn't. <laughs> I nodded. That's Ernie. He wouldn't. That's the one fault with him. He's too shy and modest. Really got to get him to re- try to relax occasionally. <laughs> so, like the opposite of how of how Ernest, now now called Ernie, as a, as a chum of yeah. Holden's, uh, he's the kind of guy who snaps towels at dudes' asses, so he's not exactly shy. Yeah, and now he's created this fake story that could you can, can you imagine Ernie talking to his mother? He's like, 
Uh, why didn't you tell me about the class elections? Oh, He's my like, God. What? The class elections? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right that minute, the conductor came around for old Mr. Merle's tickets, and they gave me a chance to quit shooting it. I'm glad I shot it for a while, though. You take a guy like Merle that's always snapping their towel at people's asses, really trying to hurt <laughs> somebody with it. They don't just stay a rat while they're a kid. They stay a rat their whole life. <laughs> But I'll bet after all the crap I shot, Mrs. Marr will keep thinking of him now as this very shy, modest guy that wouldn't let us nominate him for pre- for a president. She might. You can't tell. Mothers aren't too sharp about that stuff. Okay, so what I'm hearing is um, Ernest is genuinely a bad guy, and Holden knows that. And he thinks maybe the mother knows that. But he has given this mother a lie to yeah. hold on to for the rest of her life. They'll stay a rat for their whole life. But I'll bet after all that crap I shot, Mrs. Morrow will keep thinking of him now as this very shy, modest guy that wouldn't let us nominate him for president. So he feels like he's done her a favor? Yeah, that he's projected some image of his son as like this modest, popular guy. Yeah. And, but really, he's, just, he's a piece of crap. And he probably is like, yeah, the mom's going to find out he's a piece of crap, but she'll be able to have this delusion that at one point he wasn't. This is wild. I mean, like Holden is really look, like looking at his behavior from a, a real bird's eye view here like yeah. he's and he, he's justifying what he's doing which is kind of insane which is <laughs> of course yeah. yeah i mean of course okay so the other time he lied was with for the teacher right for the benefit of the teacher benefit right of the teacher he lied um to like because of the paper right he was like yeah. i like ancient egypt i uh so I was, he started chucking oh yeah like it's how it's a, hard to be a teacher yeah all that stuff where he he's a He's and I think he really likes Mrs. Mar. That's why he does it. Right. He like he likes the teacher too. He likes the teacher, and he just was like, "You're in a bad. You're in a bad position as far as authority over me." Yeah. Um, but I'll lie to make things better. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I was like, really chucking it. Would you care for a cocktail? I asked her. <laughs> He's being James Bond right now. Yes. I was feeling in the mood for one myself. We can go to the club car. All right. Dear, are you allowed to order drinks? She asked me. Not snotty, though. She was too charming and all to be snotty. Right. Even when she's like, you're an underage drinker, she's being polite. Yes. Well, no, not exactly. But I can usually get them on account of my height, I said. And I have quite a bit of gray hair. I turned sideways and showed her my gray hair. It fascinated the hell out of her. <laughs> 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 Come on, join me. Why don't you? I said. I'd, I'd have enjoyed having her. And that's a very yeah suggestive sentence. Of course, I'd have enjoyed having her, yeah. Um, I underline that because it's very like blunt. Just like straight up, like yeah, I enjoy having her company, but he doesn't. Say yeah, that. he's <laughs> like Don Draper. He's James Bond. Yeah, he's, yeah. I really don't think I'd better. Thank you so much, though, dear. She said. Although and anyway, the club car is most likely closed. It's quite late, you know. She was right. I'd forgotten all about what time it was. Then she looked at me and asked what I was afra- uh, what I fr- was afraid she was going to ask me. Ernest wrote that he'd be home on Wednesday. That Christmas vacation would start on Wednesday. She said. I hope you weren't called home suddenly because of illness in the family. She really looked worried about it. She wasn't just being nosy. You could tell. He, like, really loves this woman. <laughs> yeah, she's nice. <laughs> no, everybody's fine at home, I said. It's me. I have to have this operation. So this is a huge, like, weird misstep. Okay, so he's lying again. Yeah, here we go. But now it's lying on his, that he's getting sympathy, but not the sympathy he deserves. Right, I have this operation, he says. Oh, I'm so sorry, she said. She really was, too. I was right away sorry I had said it, but it was too late. So this is how he corrects. I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, and I yeah, felt bad. Yeah, it was bad. a mistake to say. But he goes, um, it isn't very serious. I have this tiny little tumor on the brain. Tiny little thing. So he is like, doesn't know how to be like, he wants sympathy from her, clearly. But he always, he feels bad. It's not that he's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. It's like, oh, no, in retrospect, it was terrible I said that, but I needed this sympathy. But he overshot it at first yeah. with the operation. He's yeah. like, let me give it a small thing so I get a little bit of sympathy. Oh, no, she put her hand up to her mouth and all. Oh, I'll be all right and everything. It's right near the outside. And it's a very tiny one. They could take it out in about two minutes. It's two minutes. No <laughs> a two-minute brain surgery to remove a tumor. It's like this is, again, this is so childish. He was so good a minute ago. Like, he, yeah. he has moments where he's almost there. Yeah. True charmer. And this is just, this is just like, blubbering lies, like, bad lies. Yeah. Then I started reading this same timetable I had in my pocket just to stop lying. Once I get started, I can go on for hours if I feel like it. No kidding. Hours. Like, yeah, we just watched him lie for a very long time. And it, and it was really good for – he was good for a minute, but I think this, this the brain tumor one is like a flub. It's just kind of like, interesting. Yeah, just like, oh, yeah, he is a, like a kid. Still. We get the really good lie, really suave lie, like the, the kind of thing you can kind of picture Holden using very well in his 20s maybe, yeah. like being very captivating. and uh, Yeah. Um, and then we get this bad lie that's sort of like a, a real flub. 
We didn't talk too much over that. She started reading this Vogue she had with her, and I looked out the window for a while. She got off in Newark. She wished me a lot of luck with the operation and all. She kept calling me Rudolph. And <laughs> she invited me to visit Ernie during the summer at Gloucester, Massachusetts. She said their house was right on the beach, and they had a tennis court and all. But I just thanked her and told her I was going to South America with my grandmother. <laughs> Another crazy lie. Yeah, way at it. Which was a hot one. Really a hot one. Because my grandmother hardly ever even goes out of the house. Except maybe to go to the goddamn matinee or something. But I wouldn't visit that son of a bitch Moro for all the dough in the world, even if I was desperate. End chapter. So he doesn't want to go. So first of all, how funny it would be if you went and she was like, Rudolph? <laughs> Rudolph? <laughs> Rudolph Schmidt. <laughs> like he can't go how because. How was the brain surgery? Yeah, yeah, like he can't go because of all of that stuff. Yeah. There's too many lies. So like there's three lies in that last chunk. Yeah. He's just out of control. But like it was, it's like he was, basically he got. A mother. It was weird adult themes because it was like, totally. oh, here's a mother who feels sympathy for me. Yep, mother figure. There's that, but then here's also a woman I'm attracted to. So he had to balance. Sometimes, oddly, those two things could be kind of close. <laughs> yes. So it was just like a almost Freudian moment of him being like, oh, I want her sympathy about my brain, right? Fake brain thing right. as a mother, because like, look. Like obviously, Salinger put her here on purpose. It's a guy. A kid gets on the train. He picked and then, her age. Yeah, yeah. And what's the coincidence that, um, that not only that she would sit right next to him, but that she's the mother of a person. She would, so it's like another step. Every step is linked between him and his pursuit of like some sort of feeling he doesn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like all right, he didn't get to feel powerful over Stradlatter because he got destroyed. And now he's like, I want. I either need to feel sympathy or sex from this woman. Gets neither. Yep. And now he's gonna move on. Move on to the big city. Yeah. So, yeah. What is this? I mean, like to me, this little interlude in the train. I mean, it explores the phoniness thing for sure. I mean, all the all the different kinds of lies. Yeah. Um, he's trying to act act like a man, which we're that that's a, that's gonna be a big thing. He's acting like a big tough man. He's drinking. He wants to drink and he wants to smoke. He is. He's lying. Yeah, the man, the sexiness, the coming terms of the sexuality is a part of it. So the mother, motherhood being here. He family. talks to her before he's talked to his own mother. Yeah, wow. He uh, wanted to tell her about the whole thing. He wanted to tell her like, about the whole thing. Duh. Duh. You want this mother figure to say it's all right. Exactly. Um, and also, like, it's as sort of like a, a plot mechanism. Like, he could just have a normal journey to New York. Most trains, you just, like, head on that. But here's a yep. weird story. Yep. So it's... <clears throat> That's also a factor that's good to consider is just like how do I make the writer making the story as entertaining as possible. Right. But yeah, this was uh, I mean, this exposed a lot of uh, character for holding a lot of stuff that is going to be explored more. And when he gets to New York is kind of being cracked open here. Yep. It's the first first little I mean, it's all going away. But every step of this journey, he has to hit some new wall with some yeah. new person. Holden's learning a lot about himself. We're learning a lot about Holden. Uh, when he's in this new environment, we're kind of seeing how he operates. So we'll and we're watching the contradictions between what he says and what happens. The and sub, say it with me. Subtextual, subtextual narrative. Thank you. Uh, sing it if you know it. <laughs> uh, so that was the end of chapter eight. We'll see you next week for chapter nine. I can't wait. Personally, yeah, that was so much fun. Thank you guys. Check us out on our our social medias. Yeah, I'm Ha Hartnett on Instagram and uh, friend me on Facebook. My name is Terrence Hartnett. Just be my friend, please. And I'm Kevin Lopkovich on uh, I'm Kevin Lopkovich on Twitter. Uh, be it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Come and through.